Hello again and welcome into another episode of the Lion's Edge podcast. I am your host Chase Kitty, BetMGM analyst, sports betting analyst, here to give you the goods every week as I always do on this weekend's college football and NFL card. Was a memorable weekend of football and betting last weekend. A lot of interesting stuff happened. Obviously, an absolute banger of a college football slate. The Tennessee-Alabama game. Lots of other big games. Bills-Chiefs on Sunday. I don't know how we're going to top that this weekend, but we are going to try to get back in the winner's circle. Got a great episode of picks for you here today. Uh, Good stuff in college. Wider pro card this week than we had last week. Last week is where I want to start. We're going to get into a little bit of a recap of some stuff that happened last week here in a second. But first, as we always do, we're going straight into Thursday Night Football. This episode drops on Thursday. We got sort of the mega episode today with college and pro all thrown in this week. And we like to start with actionable info, get you guys out looking at the games that are Thursday night. Because I know a lot of you guys are, are here for the immediacy of that. That's where we start every week. The Arizona Cardinals, another team that we're all kind of tired of watching at this point in primetime. They are a one and a half point favorite against the New Orleans Saints. I really have no idea what to do with this game. I mean, I know you guys come here for answers. Sometimes the answer is this game is a garbage game to bet. I don't know how else to say it. It's, I mean, first of all, this, this game is a massive injury mystery. Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston are both tagged as questionable. Mark Ingram is hurt. Pro Football Talk says the Saints are unlikely to have Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, or Jarvis Landry in uh, in this game this week. And it's a short turnaround, so of course a lot of the injuries, you don't have the full week to get back healthy. You've essentially got 72 hours, probably even less than that, to make a designation if you're the road team like the Saints are. On the Arizona side, the Cardinals finally get DeAndre Hopkins back from suspension. We don't know about James Conner. We don't know about Eno Benjamin. Williams, the kicking game has been a huge problem. No solutions in sight there. Kyler, in general, has been really bad at home. The Cardinals are 0-6 against the spread, against first-half numbers, which is a, a trend that I have continued to bang on here for several weeks now. What am I supposed to do with any of this? I cannot possibly recommend a bet to you in this game. If anything, I would take the Saints plus the half point on the first half line and just continue to play that trend that Arizona is bad in the first half. But, I mean, this is just, there's so many unknowns in this game that I'm staying away. And I think that's the most responsible thing to do with your bankroll is just not to have any part in this game. Now, of course, that doesn't mean I'm leaving you with no action on Thursday night. Uh, Very similar to last week where I said, look, I don't love the NFL's option for betting on Thursday night. Why don't you go to college instead? And I said, hey, go check out the Baylor-West Virginia game. I think West Virginia is live in that game. I would take them plus the points. I would take them on the money line. What do you know? That comes back a winner. We've got two more college games tonight, the first of which is an ACC game. Your Virginia Cavaliers down in Atlanta playing Georgia Tech. Uh, Totally ridiculous game. Both teams off a bye. I have absolutely no feel for it. Not going to lie to you. I would stay away from that one too. The one that I do like, Sunbelt Chase coming through for you. We've got Troy at South Alabama. And that might sound like a garbage weeknight game between two teams that you haven't watched play this year. This is actually a really big game. 
This game is going to go a long way to deciding who wins the Sun Belt West. These are the two top teams in that division. And if South Alabama, who again is the host team here, it's Troy at South Alabama, you might remember uh, South Alabama went to UCLA about a month ago, played them within an inch of their life. UCLA won with a field goal as time expired. So South Alabama's really good. Whoever wins this game going to have inside positioning for the Western Division title. And if it's South Alabama that does, in fact, win, they kind of have the division locked up from here because Troy lost that game to App State on the Hail Mary that everybody saw when College Game Day was there. This would be Troy's second loss in conference. South Alabama hasn't lost a conference game yet. So if South Alabama wins, they have a pretty tight sleeper hold on this division. If Troy wins... It's total chaos. It's Troy's got a loss. South Alabama's got a loss. Southern Miss has a loss. Texas State's kind of lingering there and can maybe make some some moves late too, depending on what else happens. So really, really interesting game if you're paying attention to the fun belt. I like South Alabama here. Troy's been really good. They've been a good ATS team. But I think South Alabama's just better. I think they're the class of this division. I think they are absolutely live to win the Sun Belt and their path to winning the Sun Belt, because I'm not sure they're the best team in in the conference, but their path to winning the Sun Belt is kind of the same as a lot of these Western teams. The East is a better division. They all beat up on each other. Inferior Western team with a better record, because the West has more sort of bottom feeder teams, more easy wins. The Western team gets to host the conference championship game and then they, they win it at home against a team that, you know, they're, they're probably not better than over a stretch of 10 or 20 games. So I like South Alabama here minus the three. I would run and get it before the line moves to three and a half because I want it at the three. Regular podcast listener, our friend Frank Montrose, uh, chimed in on Twitter uh, earlier this week with an excellent point. If you think South Alabama is going to win this game, don't just bet South Alabama minus the three. You need to go bet South Alabama to win the Sun Belt at plus 250 because after they win this game, that number is not going to be plus 250. It's going to be much higher than that. They might even be an odds-on favorite just because of the math of who's going to beat them. They're going to host the championship game. So I, I really like that. I went and actually grabbed South Alabama about a month ago at plus 750, so I'm already on a position there. Uh, and, and again, it was... I wasn't convinced they were the best team at that point. It was just a math play. It was just looking around the Western Division and and, and realizing, hey, somebody's got to win. They might host. It could be South Alabama, and the number doesn't really reflect that. So I I almost pulled it at like 12 to 1, but I waited uh, a week too long. Still got it at plus 750, so great CLV there. I like South Alabama, minus the 3, and I like the futures angle as well. Because whoever wins the Western Division has a great shot to host that championship game, just like Louisiana did last year. Let's take a look at last week for a second. A profitable weekend for my employer, for BetMGM, which is what I warned about last week. you got to be careful with these public underdogs. Let's go, let's go back through the card and the games that we talked about and, and warned about last week. Uh, first off, we had Penn State plus the touchdown at Michigan. Big public dog. Big public loss. Kansas was catching nine points at Oklahoma by the time the game closed. That was up from like seven or seven and a half. Didn't matter. Oklahoma covered. I don't even think Oklahoma's that good. They they might be like a bottom two team in the Big 12. 
they still cover the number because of the spot. In the afternoon, Tennessee, the Vols do get the job done. They win at the gun against Alabama, 52-49. I actually wanted to have someone from Tennessee on the show this week. Couldn't make the schedules work, which is a real bummer. Later that night, Utah doesn't cover, but they do win outright and blow up all the USC money line decisions. Then on Sunday, everyone with an account loves the Chiefs at home, getting points against the Bills. I heard it thrown in my face all week. How can you bet against the Chiefs getting points at home? Well, why are the Chiefs getting points at home? Don't you think everybody's had that thought? Chiefs lose. Bills cover. Tough week as predicted for the public dogs. One and four straight up. Two and three against the spread, those five teams. Now, unfortunately, we correctly saw the issue with the dogs. It doesn't necessarily mean it translated well to picks for us. Like, we did the first part right. We avoided all of the trappy-looking games. I just didn't I didn't have a good week. I, I was kind of overdue for a bad week, to be honest with you. I had the feeling. I mean, I think if you listen back to last week's podcast, you can tell I don't feel great about this schedule. And frankly, like there are some weeks where, look, I host a podcast where I give out picks, right? So just full transparency here. My job is to give out picks. There are some weeks where I wish I just didn't have to do an episode, where I could just lay out and say, I'm not going to bet this week because I don't think it's going to go well. I can't really do that. (laughs) So I'm not surprised that last week didn't go well. I I liked the picks I gave out. I didn't love them. I think this week I'm back to really loving some picks. And so maybe maybe we'll see a return to form and uh, some of the good juju that that got us such a good record over that late September, early October run. And, you know, maybe I'm being too hard on myself. It wasn't like a miserable week. We actually had a winning NFL week, 2-1 uh, and one on the short pro card, uh, the, the three-game set that uh, I published to the BetMGM blog every week. That was that was a winning card. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it wasn't the end of the world here. It's not the apocalypse. It was a losing week in college football. We're going to get back to it right now. Starting with the Big 12. Baylor, Kansas. I am not done yet fading Kansas. I think Baylor minus eight and a half here is a good spot to go against them. We still don't think we're going to see Jalen Daniels this week. Uh, The backup quarterback there has been fine. But I I think Kansas is now uh, maybe a little bit like the Detroit Lions. Like They got so much hype and pub and public support as a team simply because they were bad for a long time and now they're kind of good and interesting and and can score a lot of points. The love has outshot the market at this point. Uh, I think there's a reason they're going to be on the road and getting more than a touchdown. Unsurprisingly, 70% of the market is back in Kansas, which is just silly. I mean, this is still public dog status. I think it's going to be like this until, you know, people just lose their money over and over again. and, And they, you know, they touch the hot stove enough times with Kansas that they get burnt and stop doing it. Clearly, we haven't gotten there yet. I like Baylor. I like the fact that this is the second straight road game for Kansas, which is a spot uh, that I kind of like to go against teams. Uh, I like the fact that Baylor gets extra prep because they played in Morgantown last Thursday, so they've got a little extra prep time. I would look at the over here as well, but I think just on principle, Baylor's a better team than Oklahoma. And Oklahoma covered a number in this range. I think Baylor can do that with no problem. I think Baylor's defense is going to put up more resistance than Oklahoma's defense. I just I like everything about this Baylor spot. Uh, so good bounce back spot for Baylor. That is one of the official plays. It's also going to be one of several favorites. 
Here's another one uh, that I really like this week. Another kind of contrarian favorite spot. Clemson is a 13.5 point favorite against Syracuse. And anytime you have two undefeated teams playing each other, oftentimes both teams get a certain amount of respect, right? Like usually it's hyped up as a big game. And this is a big game in in terms of ACC conference play and, and who has, you know, inside positioning for the title game. So a lot of times you see short spreads there. You see, you know, like a, a three, a three and a half, a four, two and a half, somewhere in that range. Here we see Clemson 13 and a half. And so Johnny Q Public here sees that it's two undefeated teams playing against each other, sees that they can get 13 and a half points with Syracuse, and they load up on Syracuse. Right now, 62, 65% of the bets some, uh, about in that neighborhood back in Syracuse taking the points. But there is a reason that the book doesn't respect Syracuse. Clemson kind of is getting its act together. They've covered the closing number a few weeks in a row now. Syracuse may be getting a little too much respect for beating an NC State team last week that didn't have its quarterback. So I really like Clemson here as a contrarian favorite play. The book is telling you not to respect Syracuse by hanging a number like this. And so we're going to lean into the contrarian favorite spot here. I'm going to lay the big points with Clemson. Final favorite of the week. I like LSU. Reverse line movement here is the big thing that's that's driving my attention on this game. Ole Miss opens as a one-point road favorite in Baton Rouge. It's a spot that I think implicitly favors the plus-one underdog. It's it's kind of a sleight of hand from the sports book where they, you know, they hang a team as a one-point favorite, and so your brain automatically starts thinking about that team as a favorite oh, this is the team that's favored to win. They only have to cover a one-point spread. This is great value. That's kind of like how a square brain thinks about that number, where in reality, you know, there, there is there is nothing that says X team should be a favorite or X team should win or X team should win by X margin. So it is a little bit of a sleight of hand spot. It's kind of like the, why I favor road teams in, in pick'em situations. It's, it's a similar situation to that. Pros immediately come in and and bet LSU. So now I've got other professionals that feel similarly about this game, maybe for different reasons. I don't know. You you never know why a pro favors a certain type of game. But I know that they're on the same side as me. Massive influx of money comes in on LSU. A bunch of tracked professional action that moves LSU into the minus one and a half, minus two range. Uh, Minus one and a half is where I ended up getting this, this bet on Tuesday. And I suspect that at some point before Saturday, this number will get to three because it's kind of in that no man's land of one and a half and two. And if pros like it at minus one or minus one and a half, they're generally going to like it to minus three. So I would expect that LSU gets bet up to three, at which point maybe there's some buyback on Ole Miss because you are talking about a team that opened at minus one, now they're plus three. So that is a credible argument. If you kind of like the Ole Miss side, I would hang out and see if you can get the plus three, because I do think it'll get there. But I'm on LSU with the short number here. Brian Kelly's been impressive with a roster that I don't think is all that good. Uh, Certainly not up to Brian Kelly roster standards. I think this is probably where Ole Miss' season starts to take a dip. The, uh, the degree of difficulty in the teams they're going to be playing goes up from here on out. Uh, I think this is where they suffer their first loss. And again, a spot that I talk about a lot, as of right now, we have an unranked favorite playing against a ranked dog. So that is a spot that often, often, 
often favors the unranked team. So we are going to back LSU here. A couple of dogs that I like, one of which is a little off the beaten path, one of which is a whole lot off the beaten path. The first of which is Arkansas State. More Sunbelt for you. Not the last time we're going to talk about Sunbelt football this episode either. Arkansas State has been really competitive the last couple of weeks. James Blackman, the former Florida State kid, he has landed at Arkansas State. He is really playing nice football over the last couple of weeks. Arkansas State has not won a game recently. They're 2-5, and five, so you might look at their record and think, okay, it's, Arca- it's, a, it's a state school, it's Arkansas State, they're 2-5, and five, who cares? I'm telling you they're better than their record really implies that they are, and they're going to play a Louisiana team that was dead in the water for like a month and only got a win last week because they went and played a team that's even more dead in the water than they are, which is Marshall. Louisiana has a little bit of extra time ahead of this game because they played Wednesday last week, so that is a factor. But I really like Arkansas State regardless. I think them getting 6.5 points against a Louisiana team that's not all that good this year, that's a great number if you're Arkansas State. I think Arkansas State has the superior coaching staff. I think they have the superior quarterback. I don't know if they have the superior roster, 1-85, to but they've been really competitive their last two or three weeks. This feels like too many points. I think Arkansas State is live to win this game. They're due to win one of these 50-50 games. So I like Arkansas State plus the 6.5, and, and I would also bet them on the money line. Would not be surprised if they win this game outright. The Sun Belt has been super frisky for underdogs lately, too. Uh, actually, 6-0 and against the spread last week were Sun Belt underdogs with three outright upsets by teams that were double-digit underdogs. So pretty crazy stat there. I think it continues this week with Arkansas State. Catching the plus 6.5, it's going to be one of my favorite bets of the week. And the final official play this week, I am taking it blind, sight unseen, and I am recommending you do the same. I don't know what the number is going to be for Tennessee Martin when they go to Knoxville this week. It might be in the 50s. I'm betting it. Whatever UT Martin gets hung as when they play Tennessee on Saturday, I am betting UT Martin. This is the ultimate hangover spot. For the Vols. And I am not suggesting that Tennessee is going to beat Alabama and then turn around and lose to UT Martin. So don't misunderstand me. What I am saying is that those kids have probably been drunk for three straight days. I don't blame them. I would be too. It is very easy to look past UT Martin and ahead to the final six weeks of your schedule in SEC play. Once you've beaten Alabama and you have a real shot at the playoff. And on the UT Martin side of this, I mean, how many times have I covered an FCS team where all the recruits are pissed off at the big state school because they didn't recruit them? They had to go play at Richmond because UVA didn't want them. That kind of stuff. In this case, I'm sure there's a bunch of kids that wanted to be a volunteer that are playing at UT Martin. I think they're the Skyhawks, I want to say. This is going to be a massive number just because that's how marketplaces work. Everybody wants to bet Tennessee after they beat Alabama. I love this game. I am So I don't even know what the number is yet. I have no idea what it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be 49 and a half, 52. I don't know. But I'm betting UT Martin plus the treasure trove goblin horde of points that they are going to have here for UT Martin. Whatever it is, I'm signing my name on it. I'm recommending you do the same. I mean, look, if you listen to this podcast every week, 
you know this is a winner. I, I don't like to say stuff like this because it's gambling and you can always lose. But when I'm signing up to bet an FCS team and I don't even know what the point spread is yet, that's the kind of stuff that's almost always comes back for me. And I was on BetMGM tonight on Tuesday night, and I was talking about this with PJ Glasser, and he really likes it as well. So that that made me feel uh, that made me feel even better about it that that Peach is on it as well. Because it's not a lot of times you bring up UT Martin in conversation, and somebody was like, "Dude, I was just talking about how I love UT Martin this week." So yeah, UT Martin all the way, whatever the number is. Let's get on it. Other leans I like for the week. I like a flyer on East Carolina, plus five against Central Florida. Uh, About six out of every seven tickets here is on UCF because they went thermonuclear on Temple last week. But UCF has Cincinnati next week in a game with big time, not quite big 12, still American title implications. Uh, And so this is a a bit of a look ahead spot. And East Carolina, as we know, quite competent, if not outright dangerous. This could be a loss for East Carolina, but I do think they'll keep it close Probably a lot like last year's game, which was a 20-16 home win for Central Florida. The game flips to Greenville this year. The Pirates are better this year, so I like where this is pointing. I'll still say UCF escapes with a win, but East Carolina covers the plus five. Let's talk about the other half of that Cincinnati-UCF game that's happening next week. Now let's talk about that for a second because Cincinnati is in a similar spot, look-ahead spot this week on the road. They're a clean, pretty minus three at Southern Methodist, about two-thirds of the tickets are on the Bearcats, who haven't lost since that game against Arkansas back at the beginning of the season. But the pros loves SMU here, and that's why the line hasn't moved. I'm seeing 65% of the tickets on Cincinnati and about 80% of the money on SMU. The problem for me, which is why this is a lean and not an official play, is that this series has not been all that competitive with Luke Fickle helming Cincinnati. That's why it's a pass for me. But it is that same road look-ahead spot that UCF is in. And like I said, the pros have been hitting it all week, so I wanted to mention it. In the current Big 12, West Virginia is attracting lots of attention after its win over Baylor last Thursday. Now it goes on the road to play Texas Tech. The number opened at Tech minus 4. It got bet up to minus 7 by the Sharps. There's theoretical buyback here on West Virginia, but I wouldn't go for it. I think West Virginia is going to lose this game, so it's all about whether or not they can cover the seven, and I'm having a hard time betting West Virginia to cover any kind of number like this at Texas Tech with the way their secondary is played. I'll have Texas Tech on the money line in the 2K parlay this week. Pitt at Louisville this Saturday, both teams off of a bye, opened as a pick and Louisville got bet down to minus two and a half with juice right now. I am waiting for the three. If this gets to pit plus three, that's my buy point just on principle. I've said it before, even in this podcast, in games that open as a pick I inherently like the road team. And so if you're going to give me plus three on top of that, simply because the market moved it, I am happy to buy in at that point. So I'd consider it. So if you see pit plus three anytime between now and Saturday, consider that an official play from me. That's how I'm thinking about it. And like I said, I do think it'll get there before Saturday. If you're impatient, maybe just go look at the alts and and find the plus three, which is probably like minus 115, minus 120 right now. You just play it that way. I'm going to go ahead and and wait and see if I can get the the plus three organically. And then finally, some more Sunbelt action here. Lots of Sunbelt this week. Georgia Southern and Old Dominion were the two big winners in the Sunbelt last week. ODU beat Coastal Carolina pretty good. 
And JMU played that weird game in Statesboro, four turnovers, couldn't defend the slant pass at all. Now those two teams are head-to-head this week with Old Dominion hung as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Line really hasn't moved all week. Uh, I like the dog here. Old Dominion now has wins over Virginia Tech and Coastal Carolina this year. Really awesome resume for those guys to put together. It's going to be a great couple of years of recruiting in Norfolk in the 757. But that presents a problem in the gambling market because ODU profiles on paper like a first-place divisional team with an ACC win, but they're not that. I mean, they are that. They, that did happen. They are currently in first place in the Sun Belt East, but it's not like that's where they live. And a lot of people maybe haven't watched them and don't realize that. Uh, almost 90% of the tickets are on ODU here, which is just silly. The offense is a huge problem. Ali Jennings is really good, but there's not much else there. The offensive line is bad. They rank 98th in FBS in total offense, right behind UNLV, Virginia, and Indiana. Offensive FEI from Football Outsiders has them even lower, 108th out of 131. This is one of the best sell-high points you're ever going to see anywhere in FBS all year. Last week, Coastal Carolina was so beyond due for a loss. Every game they played was one possession, late fourth quarter comeback. That's just not sustainable. ODU was off a bye and finally punctured the equilibrium. Schematically, I think they're going to have a real problem here, keeping up with Van Treese and Georgia Southern's offense. So give me Georgia Southern plus two and a half, or better yet, just probably a plus 110 on the money line would be fine too. Elsewhere in the Sun Belt, this is much more of a true lean and not likely a play I'll end up making, but I like another two and a half point dog. This time it's Texas State against Southern Miss and San Marcos. It's just a numbers thing here. Texas State had that horrible loss to Nevada at the beginning of the season, but I think that was actually August, and at this point I'm willing to offer clemency for that uh, because they're playing really well. The number screams Texas State. About 70% of tickets on Southern Miss line is absolutely frozen in spite of that. We know this is kind of a bait line to begin with with the whole two and a half, three thing that I've talked about so much. So give me the Bobcats there uh, as a lean. And then in Harrisonburg this weekend, yes, I will be there for homecoming. Thank you very much. I think the spot screams JMU bounce back. I think the matchup screams JMU bounce back too. In hindsight, maybe I should have known that Georgia Southern's quick pass game was going to give JMU trouble. Marshall doesn't do any of that. And the program looks like it's in complete disarray since it's beat Notre Dame. I say this every week. I will repeat myself again. They have not covered a number since they won in South Bend. They have not beaten an FBS team since South Bend. I think this is a locker room that had the high and now they have the low and they're not dealing with it well. If I was going to play a little pop psychologist there. And then on top of that, on the field, I think JMU matches up with them really well. So this is JMU or pass for me. Remember, JMU is still 5-1 and one against the spread. I also like the under, which I bet on Tuesday at 51.5. This is going to be four quarters of Marshall trying to run on JMU, and I just don't know how effective that's going to be. So JMU under 51.5, still there at BetMGM as of Wednesday when I'm recording this, but it looks like it might drop soon, so I would get over there. Uh, I also bet, totally different game, I also bet Buffalo Toledo under 58 and a half on Tuesday for weather-related reasons. So maybe take a look at that one as well if you're in the market for another total. Let's talk NFL before we get out of here. I don't love the schedule. I do think it's better than last week. There's still some really weird numbers that I don't like. 
Let's start with a game I have heard talked a lot about this week, Detroit at Dallas. And a lot of people that have my job for other you know, media publications or, or podcasts or whatever, a lot of people like Detroit in the spot. They like Detroit plus the seven. They feel like Detroit off of a bye, Dan Campbell off of a bye, because I guess Dan Campbell is an amazing schematic coach now or something. I don't know when that happened. A lot of people feel like Detroit plus the seven, the way they come back in games, the way they're never dead, and there's there's such a backdoor target. Really like the Lions plus seven off the bye in Dallas. I don't see it at all. I bet Dallas minus seven right away at the beginning of the week. But now, after doing some some research and, and thinking about it more creatively, I think there are better opportunities than just the straight Dallas minus seven. Don't get me wrong. If you're betting a full game side, I'm telling you, I think you should lay the points here. Uh, and, and one of the reasons for that is there is a reason that the Cowboys are targeting this spot for Dak to return. I don't think it has anything to do with the health of his hand. They said he could have played last week. He could come back next week. I think because of everything that's happened with Cooper Rush, because of all the talk about, ooh, quarterback controversy, is how, how much worse is Cooper Rush really than Dak Prescott? And all these dumb things that really don't have to do with football, but nevertheless create environmental pressure on the locker room and the team. I think they want Dak to come back against Detroit because he can put up big numbers, the Cowboys can win, they can come out of a game 1-0 and after Dak returns and feel good about the state of the offense and the state of the team and everything and kind of avoid a controversy. I think this is a soft landing spot for Dak. And so I am expecting offensive fireworks in some ways because I, I think Dak feels that he needs that in this spot. Now, if somebody else feels like, hey, you're assuming Dak's going to come back and just be awesome right away, I think that's a fair point, and I understand why that might lead you to play Detroit plus the seven, which is why I say I think there's better ways to play this game. Number one, Dallas on the first half minus four. That's the best way to play this game. We know Detroit comes back late, so let's just take the late part out of the equation. Detroit's defense is awful. Dallas is going to run the ball effectively. They're going to play great defense. And I would guess shut down Detroit's scoring options early on in this game. So give me Dallas on the first half line, minus four. Give me also Dallas team total over 27 and a half. Now I bet this early in the week and it has since gone uh, at BetMGM anyway. The team total for Dallas is now 28 and a half. Obviously you would rather have 27 and a half than 28 and a half. That is revolving around that key number of 28. I would still ultimately take it at 28 and a half. I think Dallas on offense is going to absolutely blitz Detroit's bad defense. I would not be super concerned about the 27 and a half versus the 28 and a half. If anything, look at this as a nice opportunity to get plus 100 return on your team total, which I certainly did not get when I bet it at 27 and a half, but you can get right now at 28 and a half. The Ravens are another interesting spot this week. Uh, I I liked them uh, pretty much my only NFL loss last week. I liked them on the first half line against the Giants. They were up three at halftime. We laid three and a half, got banked by the hook. It happens every year. What are you going to do? We did correctly point out that the Ravens have been a lousy second half team and that the Giants have been a great second half team. So if you took that and uh, had the balls to bet the Giants plus the points on the full game, I did not. Good for you if you did. I'm thinking similarly about the Ravens this week. They are playing a Browns team that cannot defend the run 
at all. They they are a sieve on run defense. Eckler had a huge game against them two weeks ago for the Chargers. The Patriots lined up and ran the ball down their throat last week. I think John Harbaugh is going to watch the New England film and do exactly the same thing. I think they're going to run the ball and just grind Cleveland to dust on the ground because that's how you beat this Cleveland team. People think the problem is Jacoby Brissett because they're you know playing a backup quarterback for their first 11 games. And yeah, he's thrown some bad picks that came at really poor times. But Jacoby Brissett, by and large, hasn't been the fundamental flaw on the team. It's been the run defense. And we know the Ravens want to run the ball. So I actually like the Ravens here. Full game minus six and a half and first half minus three and a half. I would think about some same game parlays, maybe mix in some some Kenyon Drake rushing totals or, or you know whatever you like there. But I, I think I think in general, this is a spot to go all in on the Ravens' ability to run the ball against Cleveland because this is strength versus weakness, and all of that's gonna favor Baltimore. Seahawks Chargers over 51. This is a pretty simple handicap for me. Might even be a little square, but I just think this number is is probably should be a couple points higher. We know the Seahawks can score points. We know the Seahawks defense gives up points to the other team. So I expect the Chargers to score frequently on the Seahawks defense. I don't expect the Chargers defense to stop Geno Smith in this offense. Over 51 for me, easy play. Might even look at some alts like uh, like an over 55 at, at a good plus number because uh, I think there will be a lot of offense in this one. I took Atlanta plus 6.5 early in the week strictly because I felt like I was going to get closing line value on it. That's exactly what's happened. Atlanta 6-0 against the spread so far this year. There's already been some betting action on Atlanta that's moved that from 6.5 to 6. So I got it at a great number. Uh, I have CLV on it. I think it'll continue to move toward Atlanta throughout the week. Do I think Cincinnati will win this game? Probably. But, you know, this isn't a style of betting I really like all that much. But in this case, I did think it was worth chasing the CLV and anticipating where the number was going to go from there. So got the six and a half early in the week. Washington plus five and a half is an interesting spot as well. I've listened to some arguments this week where people love Washington because Carson Wentz is now out and they're going to get to bet Taylor Heineke and they think Wentz is terrible and so they like the spot all of a sudden, which I think is more funny than true. I like Washington here, but for different reasons. Number one, you cannot lay points with Green Bay on the road right now. Just can't do it on principle. Green Bay has real issues until they prove that they have fixed them. I know Aaron Rodgers has the whole relax, will get better after the first month of the season thing, but... It, it feels like this year is maybe a little different, like they have more systemic problems that are not going to be fixed just because Aaron Rodgers is mellow. On principle, I can't lay points with, with Rodgers on the road like this in this spot. The other point here is that Washington's roster is not very good, so I wonder how much it actually matters who the quarterback is. Their problems, I mean, Wentz has looked really bad at times throughout the first part of the season. If you have bad pass pro, it kind of doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. So I think if you're getting maybe an extra point or point and a half here because Washington is playing a backup, I think that point or point and a half is kind of irrelevant, I guess, is is the word. Uh, it's not appropriate in, in this position to downgrade Washington on the quarterback change because the quarterback play has already been limited by the lack of talent around the quarterback. I also think here, when you think about what the game script is going to be, 
Heineke is going to be more conservative with the ball and wins. He's going to make fewer mistakes because that's just kind of how backup quarterbacks are programmed. Backup quarterbacks get told, hey, just don't lose us the game. We have a game plan. Execute the game plan. Don't lose us the game. And so it's it's safe to assume that Heineke is going to be more conservative than Wentz, who I, I know I stuck up I stuck up for him there a minute ago and in the preseason, but obviously I, I won't deny that Wentz has a tendency to make some really really poor decisions. So I think Heineke you get to you get to avoid some of that. I think the offensive game plan from the coaches will be more conservative because of that. I think they're going to run the ball through Brian Robinson, which I think is a real way that Washington could be in this game and beat Green Bay. So. I like Washington plus the five. I wouldn't go crazy with it. It's still Washington. But this is kind of what I've been waiting for with the commanders is for them to get a good dog number. They keep getting priced as like a plus one underdog or a plus one and a half or a minus two. I mean, those just aren't good numbers to bet a team that has as many flaws as Washington does. Now, all of a sudden, Now they get five and a half. Well, now I'm interested. Now I'm interested in coming in, and especially against a Green Bay team that that obviously has some real structural problems. I would not be surprised if this bet loses. I would not be surprised if Green Bay, this is the week they get it figured out against a bad Washington team, and they come down to FedEx in in Maryland and and win 34 to 6. I would not be surprised if that happens, and you're just dead on this bet from Jump Street. Wouldn't be surprising. But I do think that Washington, strangely enough, they could lose 34 to 6, or they could win the game outright. I mean, it's just one of those games. So give me the points, and I'm going to take a flyer on Washington on the money line as well. A couple of leans here. San Francisco is getting three points at home against Kansas City. I'm going back for my money from Super Bowl 54. I kind of like San Francisco plus the three here. I think they're live in the game, and I think their their run game will be effective against Kansas City just like it was in the Super Bowl. I mean, the San Francisco outplayed Kansas City in that Super Bowl. The only reason the Chiefs won was because Mahomes is Mahomes. I like being able to back that formula plus the points at home in the Bay Area. Uh, give me San Francisco plus the points there. I also like Houston plus the seven in Las Vegas. Too many points for a Houston team that is not as bad as people think they are. They are a good cover team, and if you're getting a full plus seven, uh, that is a, a serious play for me as well. I'm sure that'll be a big pros Joe split. Most of the tickets there on the Raiders, but I really like the Texans there and, and I'll be playing it in uh, group pools and everything else like that. Monday night football. How about this? I like a play on Monday night football. I like a play a lot. Actually, we are going to have a special episode next Monday. Don't want to give too much information away about it, but an interview with an author sports writer that I think you're really going to like. Come back for Monday's episode. I will tell you how I feel about Monday Night Football. So a little bit of a little bit of a tease there. Let's run all the way back through all the official plays, college and pro. College, we like Baylor minus the eight, eight and a half versus Kansas. Arkansas State plus six and a half at Louisiana. LSU minus two against Ole Miss. Clemson minus 13 and a half against Syracuse. And then UT Martin. Friday night, Saturday morning, whenever that line gets posted, we like UT Martin plus the insane amount of points, whatever it is, betting it blind against the Vols. In the NFL, Dallas first half minus four, Dallas team total over 28 and a half. I like the Ravens at minus six and a half on the full game line. I like the Ravens at minus three and a half on the first half line. Seahawks chargers over 51 
Commanders plus five and a half. And then, of course, leans, uh, a bunch of college leans. And I also like the dogs in San Francisco and Houston. And then come back Monday. Come back Monday for a great interview. Really cool guest will be on the show then. And I'll talk you through Monday Night Football as well. Bears at Patriots. Definitely going to have a play in that game. So we'll talk that through on Monday. Until then, good luck with your bets. Thanks for stopping by the Lions Edge podcast. Lots of winners this week. Feeling good about the card. Best of luck. Hope to see you back here on Monday. Until then, take it easy.